Yesterday, we told you about a new report that shows international students from India are now paying more to Ontario colleges than the provincial government in that province, according to a new report. The report said that uh, the amount that students from India pay into Ontario's college system has been growing for years, but 2023-2024 was the first year that it topped government dollars. Now, while domestic students' tuition has often been, re- been reduced or frozen, uh, international student fees have been steadily increasing. This new status quo leaves colleges far more reliant on tuition from international students to cover their annual operating budgets. Now, let me put that in context for all of you. This year, there are about 900,000 international students in Canada. Ten years ago, that number stood at 225,000, so a significant increase in the amount of international students we're allowing into Canada. Ten years ago, foreign students brought in $8 billion into Canada, because generally they pay double, sometimes triple the cost of what a domestic student would pay. So $8 billion is what foreign students brought into Canada ten years ago. Today, Ottawa estimates that could be up to 30 billion dollars. How do we become so reliant on international students and is it the right thing uh, moving forward? Uh, Joining me now is Barj Dahan. He's a director of the Canada-India Education Society. He's worked in the Canada-India Corridor in education when it comes to nursing, healthcare and trade and policy as well. Barj, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Jess. So the numbers I've just read off uh, and I know yesterday we focused quite a bit on Ontario and what this means longer term. Walk me through, and you mentioned some of the numbers to me yesterday, but I want our audience to know, walk me through what you have seen here in British Columbia in regards to the numbers. Well, the numbers are quite startling. What we have seen from 2010 onwards mm-hmm. is is a uh, effort to privatize post-secondary education in British Columbia, in Ontario, and across the country. Mm-hmm. So what we're looking at today in British Columbia is there are 277 designated learning institutions. That means they can enroll international students. But only about 26 of those are publicly funded institutions like our main universities and community colleges. Mm-hmm. So with that, what's happening is more and more international students are being recruited mm-hmm. into the private institutions as well as into the public. And in British Columbia, my estimate is that international students are bringing in about $4 billion into the BC economy. That's tuition fees and housing costs. Tuition fees and housing costs. Okay, so walk me through one of our colleges. Uh, Give me some numbers for one of our colleges. Right, so let's talk UBC, which is the largest university in Mm -hmm. British Columbia with about 73,000 students in both of its campuses. Right now, it has about 27% of its students that are international. But the interesting thing is, out of those 20, uh, 27%, which is about 20,000, there's less than 2,000 students from India. Hmm. And then let's look at Kwantlen College, uh, sorry, uh, Kwantlen Polytechnic University. Mm-hmm. They have about uh, 20 some, some odd students, and 37% of them are international. 37% out of about 20,000. Yeah, are okay. international. Yeah. And those 37% account for 78% of all the tuition fees. So the, what the for, uh, international students contribute in tuition fees to Kwantlen is 145% of what the province gives as a grant to Kwantlen. So the, those international students... Those are international students. Uh, ...fund... 
Kwantlen at a higher level than the provincial government, our our government. Okay. Uh, Do you have numbers for Langara? I'm just curious. Uh, Langara is interesting. Not all the institutions uh, publish all of these numbers, the demographics and tuition fee breakdown. Okay. But now Langara College, in terms of uh, its its numbers, uh, just give me one second, has about 23,000 students. Yeah. 7,300 are international. Out of those 7,300... 4,003 are from India, predominantly from the state of Punjab. Okay, 4,003. What would they pay in tuition, do um, you think? I'm, I'm calculating if they pay an average of 20,000, this is assuming they're full-time students okay. taking full course load, that would be close to $80 million to Langara. To Langara. Yes. And, and I'm going to assume the provincial government's funding would be in and about the same. Is, is about the same. But that's startling numbers. How did we get here in your mind? Well, we got into it because in British Columbia, going back to the early 2000s, the provincial government did not provide the funding levels to the universities and community colleges that they used to. So under the former premier, Christy Clark, in 2011, Mm -hmm. she announced that she wanted to double the international students in BC. Mm -hmm. And that number was achieved within three, four years. Since then, the provincial government has also approved a lot of private post-secondary institutions. Mm-hmm. And they are getting a big chunk of the international students. They're not transparent. They have no public accountability. They don't tell you how many international students they have. They don't tell you what fees they're charging. Mm-hmm. In terms of the fee range, it's not three or four times the domestic student fees for international students. Mm. It's a range of anywhere from a low of three times to as high as 10 times of what the institutions are charging to international students. What do you think needs to happen? I mean, we've talked about this a little bit in the past. We talked about this yesterday. They come here. Most of these schools do not have any uh, uh, student housing. So these students are uh, out in the free market looking for one-bedroom apartments, sometimes sharing four or five or six of them living in a basement suite or or a one-bedroom apartment, two-bedroom apartment. Uh, That we're aware of. Do you, in your mind, think that we should be pulling back on this then in a significant way? Or do you think it's a question of just slowing it down a little bit? Do you, or do you think this is just the wrong way to go and just this needs to come to an end? I think nationally, we need to take a second look at the international education policy that the federal government has, the number of students they're bringing in. We also need to look at, at a provincial level, our whole post-secondary education and get a good handle on... Um, what is the role of the uh, private institutions and the and the publicly funded? What is the relationship between them? Mm-hmm. Now, the public institutions, there's about 26 of them in the province. They are public, therefore they're accountable. They provide actually a reasonable amount of data in terms of where the students are coming from and foreign fees. Mm-hmm. The private ones don't. So we need to, there are no caps right now, how many study visas are being issued by the federal government. Mm -hmm. There are no caps on any institution in the province as to how many international students they can enroll. So the enrollment has gone like it's skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. My calculation is we're looking at about 165 to about 185,000 international students in British Columbia. That high? That high. And when you look at the number of international students at SFU and UBC combined, yeah. it's only about 3,100. 
So it's it's the private institutions that are so driving. The, so this. the question to ask is, how many international students do our community colleges have? How many students do universities have? And how many students collectively the private institutions have? That is where the biggest problem is, and it's profit driven, and it's bordering on what I would call economic exploitation of middle-class to below-middle-class people who are coming from different countries. My guest is Bard Jahan. We're talking about international students. Uh, give me a call on the open line. What do you think we should be doing? A cap on international students? They do subsidize uh, our domestic students here in British Columbia and across, the Canada, across Canada, but we're also uh, you know, fighting uh, with these very students to find housing. Everybody is competing for that one-bedroom apartment, and rents have gone up here in the Lower Mainland as well. What do you think needs to happen? Give me a call on the open line. We're talking to a uh, Bar Jahan, he's a director of the Canada, Canada India Education Society. He's worked uh, in the Canada India corridor in regards to education, nursing, healthcare. We're talking about the huge international student population and the fact that we become so reliant in regards to subsidizing our post-secondary institutions. Call me on the open line. Uh, let's go to Ryan in Vancouver. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Jazz. I wanted to say, like, first of all, I was uh, on the board of governors at the University of Toronto on and off between 2005 and 2010, which is about when the decision was made. I was there when they made the decision to jack up international tuition. Mm -hmm. And for context at the time, an engineering student, international student, was paying about 18000 um, in, say, 2010, and now they're paying 64000 uh, Meanwhile, domestic students have gone up by about 60% in the same period. So versus 60% versus 250%. I think it's pretty disgusting. It's caused by underfunding by the provincial governments and to a lesser extent, the federal government. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're going to need to pay the bill, pay more taxes if we want to solve this problem. I think we should start with a cap. The, the visas are what controls this, right? Mm -hmm. Or what incents it, but the accreditation is at the provincial level. So I think we need to close the, um, the PR route, the expanded PR route mm -hmm. for private institutions and put a cap on how much that your international tuition can't be more than your domestic grant plus your domestic tuition plus, say, another 50%, mm -hmm. so that we stop exploiting people uh, who just want a better life and want to get an education. Ryan, thank you for your call. Great ideas. I uh, really appreciate your thoughtful comments. And I think you know, Canadians are... You know, they're, they're decent people. They're generous people. We're not against immigration. Uh, we do need these people. Uh, but the just the, the reliance on the system is what bothers me beyond just, uh, you know, we're, we're exploiting not only, in this case, people mostly from northern India come from a working class family farming. They don't have a lot of money. And somehow we've brought them into this system and are exploiting them for a significant amount of dollars, which I just uh, find reprehensible. Uh, let's go to Gail in Abbotsford. Hi, Gail. Hi, gentlemen. I'm a career coach. Um, very interesting topic. I'm a career coach, and um, the private colleges are just gouging international students and at, at a rate that they're not employable because there's such a language barrier. But I don't know how they get away with being able to charge that much money and, and have teachers, quite honestly, that aren't even qualified to teach a classroom. You just have to have experience, and you can teach the EA program at Vancouver career college. I don't know how they get students. I don't know how they keep their business license. But for me, trying to make these people that have just sort of graduated from these programs and try to get them jobs, they're, they're going to be lower in wage. 
they're not accredited. They don't have transferable credit. So if they wanted to morph into something else mm-hmm. in public college, you can go 10 years and then be able to use those credits. But in the public system, you can't. Gail, thank, they're, they're thank, charging a huge amount of money. Gail, thanks for your call. Um, uh, without speaking to any specific private college, in some cases, is it fair to call these things just diploma mills? Yes, they are. They're less than diploma mills because a lot of them offer six-month programs, and a lot of the international students coming in now, they get admission for these six-month programs. Federal government issues them their study visa. They're here. Many don't even complete the program. And for the second semester, they don't have money. So they are now private money lenders who lend money to international students to buy used cars, to fund their tuition fees, and they're mortgaging their parents' lands back in countries like India. So it seems like it's a huge economic exploitation taking place across the country. When we talk about these private institutions, you know, Jazz, in Canada, there are 1,627 institutions that are designated learning institutions. That means they're approved to enroll mm-hmm. international students. But only 692 of them, their graduates, will get a graduate post, uh, postgraduate work permit. So that means the other students in the other colleges, they're not going to get a work permit. So that leads to another abuse, which is the whole PR system, how you get that. Man, that's a huge issue. And uh, can you come back uh, maybe next week? We can talk a little bit more about this because I just, uh, uh, you can't do this in one or two segments. we got to keep talking about this okay. because the, the, you, 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 know, you strip away uh, uh, just to take the cover off this thing. And we've allowed this to happen. And not only just on the policy level, federally and provincially, um, but you see this at the education level as well. I mean, our institutions are strong in regards to the, our, edu- our colleges and our universities, but we somehow have allowed this to continue. And I don't know why we've allowed it to continue this, this long. Uh, and at this level, beyond just a crass need for more dollars to subsidize our system, when, as our first caller said, we just got to pay a bit more money. We have to if we're going to keep this system whole rather than taking care of or taking advantage of, of these people from other nations, particularly India. Barge, thank you for your time today. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jack.